right, guys, we are back for another episode of the On Call Empath, and I am here with no uh, other than Joe Ryan, a family systems coach, somebody that's been on my podcast before, and I had to have him back again because we're going to take a deep dive into narcissist abuse and how to deal with them. And if you're an empath, don't miss this episode. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Raj, thanks for having me back. <laughs> So what's been going on? It's been uh, almost, it feels like almost a year and uh, so much has happened on my end and your end. So I'm, I'm glad you're back. I've been following a little bit, of, a couple of your stories. I know you're doing lives and a lot of your coaching. Um, so between now and then, like, what are you kind of doing now and what's your specialty uh, these days? I've just been working through my fall self and the family system roles, trying to find yeah the authentic self in me, um, moved to New York city, building a life here, have the coaching business and the podcast. It's all going well. Life is just, uh, lots of smiles these days. Yeah. So yeah, I've been getting a lot of people, um, actually emailing me about this subject. I know this is thrown out around a lot on the internet. Um, the buzzword, you know, narcissist, why empaths, um, our soul flock to them, wh why we go towards them. So I wanted to bring you on because I know you have some good background experience in this area and as a coach and as far as myself, as an empath coach myself, how to like kind of get your life back after narcissist abuse because it feels like after that, that whole ordeal, it's like, where do we go? Where do we start? So I want to start by asking you, what are some of the things um, I guess that stick out, not like a red flag, but what do we look for in, in a narcissist or somebody that has narcissist traits in, in, in today's age? Cause it seems like they're almost everywhere. Well, <laughs> when they're into everything that you're into as much as you are off the bat, that's yeah. pretty much a red flag right there. You get sucked in, they attach to what you do. They pump you up. They make you feel good. And then over time, it's that bait and switch. <laughs> they, they need more. You're not getting enough. They have this fantasy or, or this envision of what the relationship is going to end up to be for them. And they cultivate it at the beginning to make you feel safe and secure yeah. and not pressured. And then as time goes on, they give up and kind of abandon themselves in a sense to meet your needs so that you feel safe and comfortable and then a resentment starts to build because yeah. you're not leaning in to them as much as they would like and then the conflict starts and then you know being on the empath side of it you start scratching your head going wait who are you yeah, yeah. and and worst of all i know a lot of friends of mine that have been in long-term relationships and they had, they tell me I had no idea that this person was a narcissist until two, three years into the marriage. Sometimes they don't show that side until they got you. I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's, you know, the honeymoon period and everybody's all nice and playing nice and yeah. cordial and respectful. And then, you know, it gets to, there's different levels in relationships. And when it starts getting to that deeper level, you know, you don't, people usually don't have discussions about where they see it going and where, you know, where their comfort level is with intimacy and closeness and separation and independence. And, you know, narcissists like to hold on very tight. 
So in the honeymoon stage, you kind of get fused together real tight. There's very little independence in space. And then over time, you want to get back to a little bit more of you in your life. And when you start showing that independence, that's an extreme trigger for narcissists. I mean, we all have narcissistic needs and none of them were all, none of us had them met as children because no parent can meet them all. So we all have them to what degree in each person is different. Narcissistic people are very hurt and very wounded and we're all looking for love. So an empath, empath will just sit there and wait for crumbs of affection and follow that breadcrumb trail where a narcissist will be the one dropping the breadcrumbs Mm -hmm. and it's almost like Mm -hmm. they follow the breadcrumbs into the Mm -hmm. trap and once you get to a certain point where you're locked into the relationship Mm -hmm. and the narcissist feels safe then the bait and switch starts to happen you can't have Mm -hmm. independence you can't have a life of your own you can't think for yourself everything has to Mm -hmm. be about her or him and the relationship and there is no autonomy and in a healthy relationship you need boundaries but being from a place of not having good self-worth we don't have good boundaries and we are just looking for those crumbs of affection to fill us up from the outside where we really should start to work on our own self-worth from the inside yeah very well said and um one thing i do want to you know, point out here with narcissists, um, they are probably one of the peoples that they, you know, they love seeing misery in others. And when they're not seeing other people like miserable and in, you know, pain, they actually start getting depressed. They, they start feeling really bad. And it's so, it's something that I don't know if there's a cure for, but if you're stuck with somebody and you're listening to this podcast or you just came out of a relationship, a long-term relationship with a narcissist, there is road to recovery. And that's why I wanted to do this episode. Um, so Joe, I wanted to ask you, cause you being a coach, what are some, um, what are some things that people could start doing or, or walk me through how we can get to that place where we can get back our old self? Cause that's one thing that I, I, I get all the time from my clients is like, you know, I lost my, part of my life life, a decade of my life, and I don't know where to start. Well, most of us don't know who we are, right? We don't know yeah. what we like. We had to live outside of ourselves growing up to feel safe. We know what other people feel way before we know what we feel, and, and that's our safety. So mm-hmm. to look, go inside and start looking at yourself is unsafe. If I am not paying attention to everybody and everything in my life that they're okay with me, I don't feel safe anymore. So going in is a hard journey because you have to start focusing on yourself and understanding your needs, wants, and desires. And when we did that when we were younger, we were told we were selfish. So there's, a, there's an uncomfortableness in your body with the emotions and the feelings when you start mm-hmm. to look at yourself. And a good thing that I always tell my clients is – Get a piece of paper, draw a line down the middle. On one side, write all the feelings, emotions you were allowed to have. And on the other side, write all the feelings and emotions that you weren't allowed to have. And usually the the ones that you were not allowed to have, that list is way longer than the ones you were allowed to have. So the ones we weren't allowed to have, we cut off. And we don't allow ourselves to experience it. To become more whole and build self-worth, we have to go into those feelings and those emotions and those desires that we feel we're not allowed to 
we have to become more complete and whole with our emotions. We're afraid of body reactions, but we're more afraid of the reactions of the people around us because we don't have those boundaries to stay, say no and protect ourselves. Absolutely. And then the other aspect of it is, you know, I feel like our central nervous system, our brains, everything changes. Um, I mean, I've talked to people that are on high alert all the time. Um, a lot of them be like, okay, this person did this, that person's a narcissist, or this person was mean to me and they're a narcissist. So we have to be careful. And this is what I tell a lot of people is you can't just go ahead and start labeling somebody because they show narcissist traits. Cause there are a lot of people that have narcissist traits, but not classified as a narcissist. Um, because I know like there's a, believe it or not, there's a small percentage of actual narcissists um, in the world. Um, but that doesn't mean somebody could be cruel and, um, you know, thoughtless and and not be a narcissist in, in, in overall picture. Um, there's a lot of people that just don't think for others. You know, they, they only think about themselves, but they, they can be mistaken for a narcissist. I mean, what do you think about labels now? Because it's being thrown around so much. Well, I think... <laughs> labels just divide us you know we're all human and we're all hurting and the more we throw labels on people the more the divide and if you're sitting there blaming somebody for your unhappiness if you're blaming a narcissist or somebody who's bipolar or somebody you just think is mean blame keeps you in the victim role you have to start empowering yourself to see what your role was in the relationship we are trusting too much. We don't have boundaries. We open up and we let people in and we're there for people. We don't pay attention because we're getting something out of it. We're giving a part of ourselves up, our independence, our freedom. We're codependent. So underneath, we're getting something back. If we can start seeing the exchange, because it's the same for the narcissist on their end. They're giving something up up top, but they're taking underneath. Even as empaths, and I know this isn't popular, but we do the same thing, but we do it in a nicer way. We want to get our needs met, but we don't have boundaries and we don't know how to speak up. So we're passive about how we get our needs met. Okay, if I just go along with what he or she wants, I will sacrifice myself here, but I know on the back end this person isn't going to get angry. Where the conversation should just be... I. I understand this is important to you. I don't feel comfortable doing it. Mm -hmm. It is nothing against you. It's about me and my history. This just doesn't feel right. We can plan to do something different together another time. Like there should be more conversations like that instead of going, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I can't wait. It's going to be great. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're anxious and you're almost yeah. throwing up at the thought of having to do this event. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So I want to just kind of switch gears here about recovery um, all of you empaths, um, HSPs, trauma victims, the people that write in, um, you're probably wondering, okay, so I've been through abuse. I've been through some sort of mini, you know, narcissist abuse. How do I get on, you know, back on track again? And so one of the things I'm going to just name a couple of things that I feel that, um, is helpful. I mean, if you don't have to be an empath or an HSP, but, if you've been through narcissist abuse, I think the number one thing, um, at least what I tell a lot of my clients, uh, is first, what you need to pro probably be okay 
with being alone. I think that was one of the biggest things for me is I didn't want to be alone. Like I always wanted to be around somebody and that wanting that validation, I feel like that's where all the narcissists were kind of waiting and, and, and saying, okay, as soon as like he comes to me, I'm going to treat him really good. I'm going to, you know, buy him presents, make him feel good. And then, you know, show my true nature. So I think the number one thing, if you guys are listening, really think about how it is when you're alone. Do you, are you okay being alone? Can you function being alone? Can you do things alone? Or do you need somebody to validate you? Uh, whether it's, you know, somebody you're living with. For me, on the path to recovery, I think I had to be uncomfortable to, to grow and to recover. And so if you're not willing to be uncomfortable and, and, you know, go to a coach like me or Joe or um, heck, just a therapist or a friend or mentor, you're not going to be able to do it yourself. So that's that's where asking for help at the right, you know, asking help, you know, and getting that type of feedback from somebody that because you can't do it alone. I mean, Joe, what do you think about trying to, you know, just heal yourself by yourself and say, okay, I can do this all by myself and I'll be fine. Our basic needs as humans is connection and we (laughs) need mirroring faces without mirroring faces. There's no validation. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a two part thing. Part of it is I agree with you. You have to take time for yourself. So a problem Mm -hmm. with falling for people is I'm not happy with myself. I don't feel lovable. I don't feel like I've worked in value. My life mm-hmm. is shit. I'm not happy with anything. Oh my God, look at this woman. She's gorgeous, shiny, beautiful, has a life. She's going to take me out of my misery. <laughs> and you put everything into the relationship because mm-hmm. you don't have a life. You don't have a sense of self. You don't have a foundation. So mm-hmm. I'm coming into this relationship empty, looking for it to fill me up. Mm-hmm. What I needed to do was, and I, I've said this often, I took about three years off from dating and I worked on myself. Yeah. When I started getting back into dating, it was falling back into old patterns, but catching them because I had done so much work. It's building a, a life and a foundation of, with yourself. It is uncomfortable mm-hmm. sitting with those feelings, feeling like a loser, feeling like you have no friends, feeling like nobody loves you. But you also need to understand who you are and share it with somebody. You need that mirroring face. I need to sit across from somebody, tell them my worst stuff and have them mirror back to me because I'm only seeing it as I'm worthless, I'm useless, and I'm unlovable. I need somebody that's going to see it from a different perspective and shine that light back on me and go, hey, did you ever think about looking at these three ways? And I was like, no, because I am so etched in my brain with my responses and my thought patterns that I just believe that I am not worthy. Mm-hmm. So taking time alone, building a life, getting comfortable with yourself alone. But as you're doing that, a coach, a therapist, a mentor, a peer support specialist, somebody that works in this field mm-hmm. that you connect with. And if you're with them for a mm-hmm. certain amount of time and you don't feel like you're progressing, fire them and find somebody else. Mm-hmm. They work for you. Yeah, that's very true. And the other thing that I'm very, very big on is what type of energy are you giving off? So 
for myself, I remember like walking into a room and always ask myself, are these people going to like me? And so now I had to shift my mindset and ask the reverse question is, am I going to like, am I going to like these people? So when I started shifting that in my head and saying, well, it's okay if these people don't like me, I'm still in my mind, I know I'm, I'm going to be complete with or with without them. Like whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship, whether you're dating somebody, if I don't meet their standards, that's okay. And you have to be okay being that uncomfortable, getting rejected, you know, being maybe even putting those boundaries, which suck. And I know it's really tough to tell somebody, you know, um, I don't feel like doing something because you feel feel like maybe you'll get backlash, but that's all part of the process. You always have to be working on yourself and just know what type of energy are you giving off? Are you giving out that energy where it's like, here, I'm going to do whatever you want, or are you going to give that out? That energy is like, you know, I have boundaries and if I feel like doing it, I'm going to value myself first. I'm going to honor my soul first before I give myself out to others. I mean, what do you think about that? The more we know ourselves, the easier it is to set boundaries. Mm -hmm. Growing up in a place where you weren't allowed to get to know who you are, we have to take the time to go back and figure out who we are. When you have a good, a better foundation of self, it is easier to set boundaries. And a boundary isn't to like set people off. Boundary is <laughs> I want to keep you in my life. But if mm -hmm. you continue to do this, you're not going to be in my life. So the boundary right. is helpful it's it's navigating who you are it's saying where my responsibility for me emotionally ends and where it begins for you i am not emotionally responsible for your reactions i am emotionally right. responsible for keeping myself healthy and safe by setting limits within myself and setting limits for others who are coming in too hot and heavy i want you guys to listen to that you know it's and i love that that you said that because that took me a long time to to kind of process and other people's reaction I made it my own if they're not happy then I'm not a good person if I'm not perfect if I'm not doing what I'm expected to do then my self-worth is down here but it's just really if we really don't sad. know who we are yeah and we set a boundary and somebody gets angry we are going to doubt ourselves <laughs> and it makes us feel yeah. worse. When you know who you are and what you will mm -hmm. put up with and what you will not put up with, the boundary gets mm -hmm. easier. And if it sets somebody off, you know yourself well enough not to take it personally. Mm -hmm. This is who I am. This is what I believe. This is what is important to me. You are not allowed to step over this line. If I don't know who I am and I set that boundary and somebody goes, what are you? You're, you're ridiculous with that. Yeah, I'd be like, am I? Was that wrong? Oh, I'm sorry. Not knowing exactly. who you are is a big problem with setting boundaries. Yeah. That's why the alone work, mm -hmm. becoming good on your own, building a life and a foundation of yourself mm -hmm. makes the rest of this process mm -hmm. so much easier. Yeah, and and it happens to me even today. I mean, even with podcasts you know, guests and, and coach, you know, coaching my clients. When, I, when I tell people, um, you know, I'm at my absolutely maximum bandwidth. I can't give any more. Um, I'm going to have to reschedule or 
I've had instances where I've pulled episodes off my roster. And um, I mean, these were pretty well-known people. And I just didn't feel like um, it was a right fit. And I would, you know, I just pulled it right off the podcast. And, you know, I said to myself, this is going to really piss off this person. And if they get pissed off, and you know, if they're probably not going to like me and they're, they're probably going to give me a bad reputation and this and that. And I said, you know, hold, hold, hold on. You know, here I go again, making these assumptions, like the worst case scenario, doomsday. And I did pull the episode and I was so proud that I was able to do that, even though it was so scary for me. It's like, wow, are you sure you're doing the right thing? And keep in mind, like when people um, find out that they will give you backlash. I've, I've had people yell back at me, like, how could you do this? Like, you know, when I've told them, like, they're not a good candidate for, let's say, a, a guest on the podcast or a coaching client. I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, I don't think this is a good fit. All of a sudden, I'll start getting that backlash and people will start gaslighting and, and saying, you know, what's wrong with you? Like, I wouldn't, you know, and then they they take it, you know, personally, their ego gets hurt. And then they're going to start to make try to make you feel bad. And that whole cycle and I've been through this a million times. So I'm well versed in it. So I, I, I just repeat myself over and over until they get it. I'm like, I'm just sorry, you're just not a right fit. I'm not going to over explain myself. I'm not going to try to, you know, make you happy, you know, or whatnot. I'm doing this for my, my mental health. I'm keeping these boundaries because this is who I am. And I know it's uncomfortable, but it took me many, many you know, times saying no until I got to the point where it's starting to feel like, okay, there's something going on because now I'm honoring myself. Like I'm treating myself first, which I never used to do. And I mean, it could be small things. Like if you guys are listening to this and you know, you're, you're just getting introduced to setting boundaries and saying no to people, especially your friends when they pressure you to do things you don't want to. And I've been in, in those positions and I still have problems with it. I'm not perfect, but, but at the end of the day, it's got to be about you. And just like Joe said, you have to know yourself. I mean. Yeah. And a good way is if you <laughs> boundaries for me were always difficult. Like I'm just <laughs> really starting to get better at them. But the way I started to get better at them was to visualize it three days, three weeks or three months before I actually set the boundary. I would lay down, I would get quiet and I would play the scene over and over in my head for how to say it in a way that didn't make (laughs) the other person defensive. So when if I know my truth of setting a boundary, it's easy for me to articulate it without making somebody else defensive. If I'm triggered, if I'm upset and I come flying off the handle, I'm going to come in an aggressive way and that person is going to get defensive and it's never going to work. So the more you can know who you are and what is important to you and convey it, in, in a concise way, the easier the boundaries get. So practice it in your head, visualize it, run it through however many times you have to, mm-hmm. and get comfortable with the feelings that come up as you're thinking about it. And you start to manage and understand those feelings. If the time comes to actually set the boundary in real life, it's still mm-hmm. going to be uncomfortable. It is still going to be difficult, but you will get through it. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. It is just practice. We have to get over the initial fear. 
So take like getting back to what you said before, spending time alone, figuring out who you are, what you like and how you want to live is extremely important. Yeah. And, and you'll see a lot of people on, on social media, they talk about boundaries and people pleasing and just saying no to narcissists and things. Even those people, the, even the celebrities, they even have hard time doing it. It's not like, you know, they're experts at it. It's not easy to be, you know, to, to be uncomfortable. And, and like Joe said, practice makes perfect, but there are some times that are going to be harder than others. And that's where you reach out to a coach like us and we walk you through it, you know, in a calm way, um, in a way where you don't have to show your anger. You don't have to make the other person feel bad. You don't have to, um, yell back at somebody who's screaming or making profan, you know, say, swearing at you. You don't have to f stoop to that level. I just try to do it very calmly and I say what I have to say and then I walk away and I'm okay with that now, but you know, it's, it's just practice over and over. Yep. We're worried about loss, rejection, anger, fear, not pleasing. Mm -hmm. Once you start to work through and know who you are, all of that slowly starts to subside and then you are lighter and freer to live mm -hmm. a better life. Yeah. And, and also, by the way, this doesn't just go for narcissists or people that, you know, you suspect is a narcissist. This goes for even um, loved ones, people that you respect. It doesn't have to be just one group of people that you're looking out for on a radar. Um, I try to do this with everyone and you believe it or not, people will respect you more um, when you put down a boundary. I don't answer calls after 11 o'clock, believe it or not, because I, I value my downtime, my screen time, and I value my sleep. So when I do get text messages after 11, I'll, I'll get people that constantly, they, they don't understand and they'll keep texting me. And I'll have that conversation um, and I'll just say, you know, that, you know, I turn off my phone at 11 and there'll, there'll be a smart comment. Be like, oh, lightweight, you're getting older, huh? Like you, you need to get your beauty rest. And, you know, those comments, it might may have bothered me like 10 years ago or, you know, even five years ago. But now, you know, I I can laugh it off and 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 maybe just be serious. I'm like and just repeat myself. Uh, that's fine. But. I, I shut off my phone at 11 o'clock and they'll get it. Yeah. So the tone of your voice. Yeah, Go ahead. They're shaming you to start acting the way they want so that they don't feel uncomfortable because they're probably sitting there going, why didn't he get back <laughs> to me? He doesn't like me. Was that stupid? What I said, like they're all in their heads and they don't want to be that way. Mm -hmm. So let me shame Raj into texting me back yeah. at 1230 in the morning. Oh yeah. And I've had people that they, they've told me like they're, they had a bad day and they need time away because they're going through something personal and, and professional. So I was like, Oh, no problem. I totally understand that. I don't push anyone. I let them say, I give them their space, but the minute I do it, <laughs> are you okay? Is everything okay? Tell me what's going on. It's not like you, you're changing. You're this and that. And so it's so funny. Like when I try to do the same thing, somebody else is doing, it's it becomes I'm the bad guy or it's like, hmm, you've changed, but not everyone's going to be that they're not going to understand 
you know, and, and some people are going to do one thing and it's the standards are going to be different for you. So just keep in mind, stick to your guns just because somebody else isn't doing it and you start doing it and you're afraid like, oh God, they're going to think, let them think, let them think. That's what I say. The more you grow and the more you change, the more people you're going to leave behind. It's just the fact. So if you want to grow, you want to better yourself and better your life, know that the people that you're looking at in your life today, they will probably not be there in six months or two years. And that's the process. You grow, you evolve, and then people who are in your life don't speak the same way because they don't like the changes in you because they are now uncomfortable. And you just got to let them go behind you. And just wrapping up here, I just want to end this with all you empaths, especially tuning in. Be okay letting people go because if somebody's meant to be in your life, they will stay. They'll come back. And in fact, that's one of the reasons I kept in contact with Joe, believe it or not. Uh, I haven't, if you look at my roster, I haven't had too many people have uh, return visits. I've probably had a handful. But the ones that I have come back, They've shown me a lot of value and I, I look up to them. You know, I learn a lot from them. So to me, it's like you want, it's okay to, you know, get people and uh, do an audit on all of your friends, even on Facebook, go through all your friends and take out the ones that don't resonate with you that may be triggering you or, you know, something that's giving you bad vibes, take them out of there. Because again, if you're okay being alone and, and not worrying about people leaving you, you're going to be so much more powerful alone. And that's what, that's how I got to where I am as a coach. And that's why I only keep a certain number of people around me um, that I can go to and trust. So if you guys are listening to this, don't be afraid, let people go. The ones that are supposed to stay will stay. Joe, I'm going to give you the last word before we take out here. If you have people around you and they are not mirroring back what you need, <laughs> find new people. Yeah. That simple. Well, there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoy this episode. Follow Joe. Uh, I'm going to um, let Joe tell uh, everyone where we can find you on uh, social media before we take off. Uh, so my website, my website is joeryan.com. You can find me on Instagram at Joe Ryan. And my podcast is called, it's not you. It's your trauma. Check them out guys. Check out the first episode with Joe. It was a good one. So I said, you know what? It did so well. We're going to do another one. And so that's also, um, I think we did that a couple months ago. So look at all of my podcast episodes and you'll see the first one with Joe, but I hope you enjoyed this. And always keep moving forward. And with that said, we are...